Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, to, actually, tomorrow we um, will have completed our collection uh, from our church and from other churches around in the area uh, for Operation Christmas Child. So if you will join with me before uh, we really dive into the message, and let's just take a moment to pray over um, just the mission of, of all these gifts and the rest of the ones that will come in later today and tomorrow, because uh, they, they, it, it doesn't take a lot to kind of do the math and go, you know what, I don't know that these will actually probably make it to a foreign country this Christmas. Um, many of these boxes go out all during the year. It's not specifically a, a Christmas gift, because in many countries that, are, um, that, that don't practice Christianity, Christmas is not celebrated, which makes sense to us. So many of these gifts may be going out, um, even in the, what we would call the summer months, um, in a way to really spread the gospel. Um, one of the greatest things about this project is it doesn't just end with one gift. Um, there's follow-up discipleship um, that happens after that. So if you will join in with me, just as we ask God to, to, to take these and, and to deliver these in the places that we know that he wants them. God, Father God, thank you so much for your grace and for your goodness. Lord, thank you for those that have worked and, and tirelessly made it possible for these boxes to be delivered. Thank you that you've put this on the hearts of individuals um, all across our city and our county and our community. Uh, Lord, to be able to gather together, to be able to shop and to be able to spend the resources that you give us. Lord, to bring joy into a child's life, but also, God, through that, that joy experience, um, open their heart to be responsive, to hear the gospel. Uh, so, Lord, we just ask that the gospel takes root in their life. We know, that, Lord, that as you call, um, Lord, that there will be people that will follow you. Um, God, we pray for their discipleship. We pray that, they, that it won't just end with a joyful unwrapping experience, God, but it will be the beginning of a life well lived for you. Lord, there will be needs in lives of families where these boxes show up that we may never know. Um, so, God, we, we trust you um, to, to do the ministry that, Lord, only you really you can do. Um, and, God, we just thank you for opportunities to be faithful. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And, uh, just, and, and as you see people that have volunteered and helped out and everything, um, I know Charlotte's done a lot of the organization, but make sure you just, you know, thank them as you see them and as you pass by them um, and really just appreciate what they've done uh, to be a part of this. Uh, we're going to be going into um, our series this morning. Again, Grace That Is Greater. Um, and before I say this, I just want to, this is just kind of a public service announcement, okay? Um, came into church this morning. You haven't know sometimes you just get a compliment you weren't expecting. Somebody just slips into your life and they just say something and it just changes your whole day. That did not happen to me this morning, um, not, in the way that, not in the way that I was going to, I, I expected. Um, I had a grown man come up to me this morning in this building and look at me and go, you look like a pumpkin spice latte. I'm only willing to take that compliment one time a day, okay? I've had it today and then no more. Please, uh, please. That's, that's, I, I felt like a seventh grade guy to dance just immediately. I was just like, I feel awkward. I'm like, I'm, I'm finding my wall to prop up against. Like, I don't know what to do in this moment, but. Thank you. If you're thinking about Starbucks now, uh, it's going to be a minute before you get there, so just buckle up, okay? Um, we, we've been in this series, Grace That Is Greater, and uh, this week, good news, I have, and, and this, maybe it's not great news for you, but it's great news for this jar. This jar has taken a beating um, over the course of this series, and today this jar gets to represent thankfulness. Isn't that nice? Give this jar a hand, if you will, please. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's, <laughs> that was unenthusiastic. Um, so this jar has represented some rough stuff, right? Um, the, the first real week that we, after we kind of set a structure for grace coming out of the gate, this jar represented everything that keeps us away from the Lord, our sin, our trespasses, all that stuff that we were dead in before Christ saves us. Um, it, it represented despair, um, and it represented last week, which is one of the series, one of the sermons that I was, um, I was, uh, most excited about, um, and least excited about at the same time, because I know the struggles in my own life. Um, it, it's also represented bitterness. So far, the series. So today, believe it or not, we are going to talk about grace that is greater than thankfulness. And that may seem like those things should just be really in agreement, and they, they are, but we're going to see in, in a passage today in a really unique way how grace does more with thankfulness than what we typically could get done ourselves. And it takes our thankfulness to this place that ultimately is gratefulness um, that, that's going to not just bless us in this season, but, but I believe it will... I believe it will do hopefully what this series is doing, which is to really change the way we see um, everything in, in, in our lives and our relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, so just to let you know, we're going to start out in 2 Corinthians. Uh, we're mainly going to be there, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, if you have a Bible, if you've swiped to a Bible page or if you just look on the screens, um, that's where we're going to be this morning. Um, 
And the beginning of chapter 4 starts with one word. It's one of those key words as you're studying your Bible that kind of gives you some direction. The word is therefore. Um, and, and typically, if, if, you, if, you just, if you have the time um, and you're studying the word of God and, and you run across that word or if you run across so that, um, it's, it's always good and helpful to make sure that we look around that word enough to kind of get the, the, get the glimpse of what's going on. So if we just, basically, I just want to kind of quickly tell you this. Um, if, you, if you go back, the, especially the last half of chapter 3, Paul is talking about this new covenant ministry, this, this new ministry, this new mindset, this new um, life call that, it, that is own believers. And he, he compares it to um, even some major events of the Old Testament. He calls up one from Moses that it's not just significant and popular for them. I mean, we, most of us have grown up watching movies about it and hearing about it in Sunday school and in church. And, and basically, Paul's message is this. this. This new ministry that we have is really characterized by, by this word he uses, hope. And, and really, the anchor understanding that he wants to communicate is in chapter 3, hey, listen, in, in, there was a time where God was showing himself clearly powerful, and you were able to look and see evidence of it. But Paul's transition is, 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 is listen, in New Covenant ministry, you don't, look, you don't look at the world around you to see evidence of God. You are evidence of God. It's not just what God can get done around you, but it's, it's really fully who Jesus is and what he does in us and the change that he can make in our lives for us to look more like Christ and then how that then goes in and affects the lives of others. So, so that's what Paul is walking out of, and then he steps into this. He says, therefore, since we have this ministry. Now, he says the word we there. So you say, okay, was he just talking about like himself and maybe a small team around him as he's been inspired, inspired to write this? Is this just the audience where the letter actually specifically went? Well, in chapter 3, he, uses, he used the phrase, we all. He comes back again with we, and, and I believe we can, we can see, and, and I don't think this is, is disrespectful to the audience that this letter first went to, but I do believe that we can listen to this this morning and read it and, and understand it for, okay, this is another one of those. All right, the Lord is opening up his truth to say, Come in, come along for the ride, okay? So he says that we have this ministry because we were shown mercy. We do not give up. Now, um, again, Paul, um, Paul is so great about speaking of life in, in, in the terms that we see it. Um, maybe you don't ever say that phrase, I give up. Maybe you don't ever say it. Maybe it never comes across your mind. Um, and if it doesn't, that means you are, you are either one of the top humans in this community or you're not human. You're a robot. I don't know what your life is like, right? Like, but, but just this idea of I give up. Like, have, you, have you ever just, even if you hadn't said the words, you just kind of exhaled hard enough to kind of go, like that's actually the message that's kind of coming out of me right now? Well, and Paul here has, has, has developed a resolve. Now, remember, much of this is about, like, he, he, he's writing, looking back at events of his life. Um, but when he says this ministry, um, the, the ministry there is, is really wide open. Um, for us, it could, it could draw in just what does it mean to raise kids and make disciples? It could be how, how do I live like Jesus at work? It could be how do I, how do I help grow the people that are around me in the church family that I'm in? How, how do I really be part of a church and, and pour into people and, and, and use the gifts that God gives me? Um, it, it could just be how, how, do I, how do I invite others into my faith community? It could be how do I share my Jesus story and tell someone else, um, maybe in agreement with what God's already doing in their life, how they can be saved too. The, the, this idea of ministry here is, is, is all this. And, and we say, we say, man, if, if, if it's ministry, right, like then it ought to always be great. No, many times, in fact, we've discovered in life, right, if, when we're really looking to serve the Lord and walk faithfully with Him, we, we meet obstacles. We meet things that seem to want to get in our way. We, we, we discover things that almost make us want to, if we're brave enough to admit it, say not what Paul said, but actually voice it as, I give up. Or maybe you said it this way, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm, I'm, I'm out. Well, Paul now is going to give a little bit of a definition about what it means for him and when, where he's come to with the Lord. What does it mean to not give up? 
And, and there's some surprising things in this list, okay? When, when, if, if, I was, if I was just going to say, okay, um, Paul, um, great Christian, define what does it mean to, to, to not give up. I, I'm expecting kind of a basic thing of, you know what, I'm just going to get up tomorrow and I'm just going to keep at it. Right? Like some, some kind of inspirational message, like something that a coach would like, you know, tell everybody, take a knee, right? Like that's because if you take a knee, it's going to be great, right? It's, it's just like, come around here, let's, let's gather together, let, let, let's hear something that's going to charge me into this next season of life. But Paul gets really specific. I want you to listen to these verses, and, and I'm actually going to just kind of throw a list up on the screen. I won't, but it, there'll be a list on the screen that hopefully will help you kind of catch some of these and frame, frame them. Um, verse 2. Instead, so it, this, is, this is the opposite of giving up for Paul. Instead, we have renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or, disturbing the wor- or um, distorting the word of God, but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an ope display of the truth. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, God, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let the light shine out in darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. So what does it mean what is what does Paul really include in here? Because this sounds beautiful. This is like this is some beautiful words. But 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 check this list out of what it really means for Paul to functionally not give up. The first thing that he mentions is this: um, that that he does not allow private sin to remain. He does not allow private sin to remain. What, what what's so significant about private sin remaining? Because when when we indulge in private sin, then then we build this this idea in our head that 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 I can keep things from others, and ultimately we'll start to try to keep things from God. We won't bring those to him in confession to say, Lord, there's a part in me that is broken, and I need your help. Like, I can't fix this on my own. So, so pride swells up. We can, we can handle this. So he says, listen, it, it's not even what I, I, I show publicly, but, but in, in my thoughts and in my life that way, I, I've got to, I've got to rena- when he says I renounce them, that, that's a mixture of I have to learn to despise it and also be willing to take it public if need be. That's significant because for most of us, we, we have lived trapped by private sin. Sin that we don't want to let out because of what others would judge us for. He talks about not being hypocritical, not misshaping the word of God. That hypocritical part, just, just so you clarify, because that, sometimes that, that one's a hard to catch. Um, basically, that, that is in agreement with that whole private sin. In, in other words, he, he's not willing to live a different way privately than he would preach publicly or he would, he would suggest to others. Not misshaping the word of God. Um, that, that, that's, that's, that's tough because we, we tend to handle the word of God. If you've grown up in a church culture, we handle it a lot. And sometimes we just kind of shoot it out there as encouragement or we, we, we quote parts of verses or we kind of, um, we, we, we try to read a text and go, okay, does that, does that tell me that I can kind of feel okay about this or, or, or kind of justify me in this area? We, we don't, we don't misshape it. We take it as it comes to us in the, in the form that God intended it to. Um, he, he was willing to be accountable with others. To trust the Lord for the work only he can do. You notice he talked about people who, who didn't understand, understand what he understood. They, they weren't getting the message clearly. And he looked at those people and said, okay, if you're not getting it, then, then I can do the work of explaining it clearly. But, but if there's a spiritual battle going on, I've got a part to be faithful in that. But God, I've got to trust you for the work that only you can do in that person's life. In other words, this is, a, this is, this is ground where Paul says, listen, you know, and, and I think this is so true. His, his pledge to not give up was anchored in this one. You know why I love this one? Th- this is one that says, don't carry what you're not called to carry. That's huge. Because how many times do we pick up things and we hold them tight and we, we, we get angry over them, we get bitter about them, and, and it, was never, it was never our burden and responsibility in the first place. And if it wasn't my burden to carry, then I'll automatically walk in frustration because I'm not called to fix it. Does that make sense? Like if there's a problem in someone's life or, 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 that, that you can't fix, 
to carry it will only cause you to be more and more frustrated. And that's not going to be walking in the joy of the Lord that he calls us into. Now, I don't, like, okay, that's not your invitation to drop everybody, right? Okay, I just want to make sure they're clear. There might be somebody that you are called to walk faithfully in that way with. Don't, don't drop it too quickly, okay? And the last one is this, live for Jesus, not for me. Live for Jesus, not for me. To deny self, to die daily, to, to, to be willing to sacrifice. Now, that word sacrifice that I just used, um, we're going we're gonna to make sure that we have a good understanding of that one later, okay? We're going to make sure we have a good understanding of that one later because sometimes I think we, we think sacrifice when it comes to this life that we live following Jesus and maybe we don't embrace it with the kind of joy that we should really have, all right? Now, picking back up with verse 7. Picking back up with verse 7. So we've seen Paul come out. This is, you know, he's already used this phrase, we do not give up. It's only the first time he's going to use it, but it's going to come around again in just a minute. So, so he defined it for us. This is what it means for me not to give up. I embrace these things because if I push back on these things, that's when I think Paul would say, that's when I start giving up. When I omit one of those things, I'm one step in to giving up, to, to falling away, to not walking faithfully with Jesus. And, it, and if you just be yes, if you go back and look at that list, I mean, that's pretty true for all of us. Like, take accountability. As soon as, we're, as soon as we want to push away accountability in our life, that's one step that we're saying, you know what, I'm probably not going to be following, I'm really not going to functionally follow Jesus well if I'm not able to answer to others. Verse 7. Now we have this treasure in clay jars. You know what clay jars do, right? They break. <laughs> you ever break dishes in your house? Who in here has... Every bit of the pattern that you got when you got married. Like, you've got it all. None of it's broken. Anybody? Candy. Man, praise the Lord. That's impressive. That's what happens when you only have one child, right? That's, 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 that's what happens. I've got three boys, and I think we've got a coffee cup and two plates. All right, so um, clay jars break. It says that now, now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. All right, so Paul just says, here's what it means to not give up. Now, we talked about some things in this series that I think would, I mean, they're pretty heavy hitters as far as what would make us just kind of throw our hands up and give up. In fact, this jar has represented many of them. And, and there's some things about this verse, this one simple verse that I think are really worth us making sure that we get well. Um, one is this. We are, we are represented as being the clay jars. So in the relationship that we have even with Jesus, um, it, with events of life, does Jesus um, get caught off guard? No. Do we get caught off guard? Yes. Um, does, does, he get, um, does he break into pieces because he's not able in his own strength to do something? No. Do I break into pieces? Could you possibly break into pieces because of the lack of ability to handle something? Yes. Okay, it's good that we can acknowledge that. We're getting somewhere together. So we are the clay jars, but where's the value? Where's the thing in here that makes it really worth something? It says so that this extraordinary power, that's the treasure, that's Jesus. And it's from God, not from us. So what does that say about us? It, it, it says very simply, the greatest thing about me is Jesus. It's how Jesus can transform my life and what he, he can do in my life, the grace that he can bring in my life. That, that value does not come from me. And you may go, hang on a second, man, that's, that's kind of a sad thought. No, it's not. I know who I am. I, I don't want it to rely on me because I know that it won't be there in, an, in, a, in enough fashion and at the right time when I really need it. I want, I need, I desperately need it to be Jesus. Because I know where my strength fails. I know where my strength fails. Now, um, for, for Paul, culturally, the Corinthians, um, one of the products, and you may have heard this before, one of the products that were one of their top sellers um, in this area, um, they, they didn't have, uh, as, as mad as you've ever been in an electric company, they didn't have electricity, okay? So, so they, they illuminated everything by oil lamp, by candlelight. And one of the products that was super popular in this area was a really cheaply made um, piece of pottery that would hold a light. 
Um, it was really popular because even though it was real fragile and a lot of people broke them and they just bought new ones, it was actually the fractures that let the light out in, in, in a more dispersed way. So in other words, think about it. If something's completely closed up, light's only going to come out the top, right? Um, but, but with the fractures, light would come out all around it. So the, the value, and, and we can take that as a very simple understanding, the value is in some of that brokenness. But um, I, I've, I've heard this verse taught, and I've heard it preached, and I've heard it shared in a lot of ways. And, and to be honest with you, it just doesn't feel real satisfying, depending on where you are in life, to just hear the phrase, hey, good job, values in your brokenness. Show that off. You're like, seriously? It's brokenness. <laughs> like, I don't want that to be where my value, like that's, that's, that's not like, it's, it's like, that's just not it. I don't want this brokenness to just exist. And, and I think on some level, we stopped with that verse and, and kind of almost were willing to go in agreement with that brokenness is just going to stay. It's just, it's just there to stay, right? Now, um, there's a, there's a, I, I listened to a podcast recently, um, and there's this Japanese art called Kintsugi. Have you ever heard of it? Anybody? Man, I thought Brown Summit was more cultured than that. Um, it's called Kintsugi. And, and what it does is, and this is, this is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old, um, artists, and, and, and this, is a, this is a master level art, they will take broken pieces of pottery, of glass, of different things, and they use this, there's this combination of this, I would probably say, that if, if I'm describing it and what I, what I have in, in my tool building at home, I would use the word epoxy, right? Like an epoxy, but what they put in it is, um, they put gold, they put silver, they put platinum in it. So they will take, and, and some, of the, some of the pieces that, that are on display in art museums, the, the piece of pottery or the, or the cup or the bowl, it could have been like, I mean, it could have been just such a basic utensil that it would have been cheap to, to pick up anywhere in that century. But because it's been restored, because of what's um, the, the materials that were put into those joints as that was reassembled, that's why it has such a huge value now. Now, kintsugi is made of two words. The first word, kent, is golden because that's, that, that's what they started with was gold. The second word, sugi, means repair. Or joinery. So in, in other words, this art form, if you look at this, now this is not, I did not spend money on bringing a piece of high art. I spent my time this week and I made this. I did a little arts and crafts show in, in, in my own spare time. Trust me, you're looking at it from a distance. Please don't zoom in on this. It's not that great. All right, so I, I put this together this week. And, and this is a rough example of what you'll see if you Google this or if you ever see this somewhere. You, you see what was broken has gone through a process, stop, uh, don't zoom in, like this is not funny, you think it's funny, but I can see the screen, okay, you're about to see what a pumpkin spice latte does when it blows up, um, so this is what, this is, this is a, this is a basic example of what this looks like, um, and, and, and what was broken has gone through a process of golden repair, and is now, together right so so that's beautiful and, and in a way we're like man that's great I love that truth okay but but I want you to I want you to read something with me okay here's here's the thing um, verse verse 8 says this we are all we are afflicted in every way but not crushed we are perplexed not in despair we are persecuted but not abandoned we are struck down but not destroyed we always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus's sake so that Jesus's life may also be displayed in our mortal body so this is what that this is what the rest of that explanation really gets us into okay this looks great but you know how you get to this this has to get broken. There's no other method. You're like, hang on a second. That's not a good plan. A lot of days, I don't even know that I would argue with you. But in our lives, as, as, as much as Paul is saying, I, 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 I won't, we don't give up, what we know is, and, and this is what I did to, to one of these this week. 
took a pair of pliers, and with just a little bit of pressure, you know what happens? It breaks, right? And, and, and as I did that, and honestly, I mean, I, I had some emotions well up in me because I thought, God, how many times in life have, have I just been, I, I, I felt whole, I felt like I was, I was purposed, and, and it made sense, and all of a sudden, whatever it was in life, just enough pressure came in to do that. Have you ever experienced something like that? And here's the thing. I found myself hesitating as, as, as I would take these pliers and I would put them on this cup. I found myself hesitating because I knew as soon as you heard this, listen, as soon as you heard that, what could you not do? Take that and put it back and it stay. You can't. You can't do it. Once you hear that pop, you feel like something's changed forever. Now, what would we do this at home most likely? Throw it away. Because why? This isn't worth fixing. This doesn't have a value that immediately says, collect all the pieces. But that's not you. Please hear that. That's not you. And what God wants to do is to take you through a process of golden repair. Meaning, the, the, the beauty and, 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 the, and the credit and the attention will go to him, not you, not me. And you may say, hang on a second, well, like, that's, that, that's really what's happening? Yes, because in so many ways, th- you know what, this, this cost $2. But if this was done as a repair work by a Kintsugi master artist, this would have an extreme value. These pieces, still two bucks. But the golden repair is the valuable part. And, and, and see, here's the thing that I love. And, and the guy that I listened to in this podcast, um, he's a Christian artist. So he was really framing this um, as, a, as a gospel kind of artwork, a gospel kind of effort. Because, because here's, here's one of my favorite things about this. Um, I, I did this, and, and I'm not a skilled artist. But, but let's just say that this represents the work of the Lord. Um, th- this isn't spot glued, so it will just kind of barely stay together to maybe hold up a couple little decorations or something really lightweight um, that, that you put in here. What, what is a, a, the purpose of a cup is to hold liquid. And you, you, know why, you, you know why the purpose of the cup is so great that it hold, holds liquid? Because if it's got even the smallest crack in it, that liquid is going to run out. And it's not going to hold. And, and, and it, by definition, we're going to see that it's failing in its purpose. But that's not the process of God's golden repair. This cup, even though broken, when, when Jesus does this kind of work in our life, it's not just so that people can see what he does, but it's this ministry that's this thing that he does in our life where his purpose is not just to say, well, let me kind of patch you back together, but he says, listen, let me restore your purpose. Let me take you to a point where you can do what you were called to do. You won't spring a leak, you, because if I do it, And and see, that's so important. If the Lord does it, it's his work. It's going to be more effective than what I can do through self-help. Jesus does not walk you through golden repair just for people to look at you. He does this work to use you in part by showing how he restores your intended purpose. I want to go down to verse 15 because this is where, um, when, when you start to sense this is the process that Jesus wants to work in our life, um, and, and that process, can, can we agree that that process is grace? Because I don't deserve that. Because you know what? Most of the time, most of the time, this right here, listen, because make sure you hear the sound again. Most of the time, this, you hear that? Like that break? Most of the time, that is my fault. Most of the time, I've done this on my own. And here's the beauty of it. In grace, with undeserved favor, the Lord does this kind of work. Verse 15, indeed, everything is for your benefit 
so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving. Um, really good definition of that word instead of thanksgiving is, is gratitude. And we're going to talk about in a second why that's such a key move for us to make from thankfulness to gratitude. Um, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. See, see, there's the secret. Grace, as it does its work in us and then it goes out through us, allows gratitude to grow and expand. Gratitude is, is a mindset of thankfulness that consumes us to the point where it changes the way we see people, the way we see the world around us, the way we see our mission, our purpose, our call, our identity in Christ. It, it, is, it is everything that shapes our thoughts. And it, and it will come out of us in a really great functional way to the glory of God. Now, when it comes to thankfulness, there, there's several different modes of thankfulness. Um, we're getting ready to come up on Christmas time. And for many of us, we still do the forced thankfulness mode. You know what that is, right? Your kids got something in a family gathering. They didn't ask for it. They didn't want it. They don't even want to take it home with them. They want to leave it where it is. But what do we all do as good parents? You take your child, you walk them up, say thank you. Thank you. Like it's, and, and somebody, hopefully, is just hard of hearing enough to where they just catch the words or, or they just know that we're like, okay, it's great, it's great, right? Like that's forced thankfulness. Because what, you know what happens in forced thankfulness? Um, we, we get something, we don't find value in it, our heart's really not in it, we don't connect with it, so it's, it's, it's just the words that we say. Now, there's also just a habit of, of thankfulness. And, and the habit may look like this. When you walk in Chick-fil-A and they give you your food and they say thank you and then they come back with my pleasure, right? And, and it may just be, it, it's just times that we say thank you because it just kind of comes out of us. Um, you go to a restaurant, somebody brings you your food, they bring you your drinks, and you say, thank you. Well, did they do something that wasn't deserved? No. We pay for what we get, right? We tip for the, for the labor for, like, but we say thank you because it's kind of, it's kind of been bred into us as a habit of just kind of acknowledge and politeness what someone else does for you. But really on a, on, a, on a life change level, in our minds, we realize I actually paid for that, what I'm getting. I paid for what I'm getting. Then there's um, what I would call almost faith, uh, thankfulness, almost gratitude. That's when we receive something and what we received is what we really wanted. Like it's, it's, it's good, but, but the desire for that thing seems to fade over time. Uh, that, that's going to happen a ton around Christmas, Christmas morning. I mean, the immediate moments of rushing around a tree are exciting. But at some point, one present is going to kind of climb to the top in that kid's attention, and they're going to go off and play with that. And then two days later, you know what they're going to say? On something else, right? Like the, the, the initial feeling is there, the initial feeling is there, but the excitement fades. Here's the definition with gratitude. Gratitude is when we actually have shifted our focus away from, away from the things that we get, and it's shifted towards the giver of the gift. That's when you go to Christmas, and maybe you're a little bit older, and you find yourself really not caring if you even exchange gifts. There's just one or two people that you just are appreciating the time that you have with them. For that season of life. And it, and, and it really. It, could, it, it doesn't matter how great the food is. Or if somebody gets your favorite dessert. Or if you don't even get a gift. Because when you walk away. The satisfaction. The joy was anchored into. That relationship. Does that make sense? So here's something cool. When you, when you break down. The, a couple of the words. The, to me the big two words in this verse. Grace. And then thankfulness or gratitude. I think I've got this on a slide. If you put this on the screen, um, I mentioned this at the first of our series. Charis is is the most is, is the word in the New Testament. It's in Greek that we have that is um, that means and is defined and is translated as grace. But I also want you to look at um, the word that is translated thankfulness, thanksgiving, gratitude. Do you notice what's in the middle of that word? The root of that word is charis. Grace is the root of gratefulness. Which means this, as a believer, 
unless I really operate in the grace of Jesus, unless I really fall in love with the grace that he's given me, the grace that is greater than despair, grace that is greater than my sin and my trespasses, grace that is greater than my bitterness, unless that really takes root in my life, then, then I will be always a step short of gratitude. I'll be a step short of appreciating the relationship to such a high level that, that other things just don't matter as much. And as I saw this verse this week, and I'm looking at these words, I'm like, my mind is blowing. I'm going, I'm, I'm seeing the, the seasons of, of, of spiritual weakness in my life and going, yeah, I was not, there was zero gratitude in that relationship because I wasn't, I wasn't so in love with Jesus. I was thinking so much about what I wanted. And, and I wasn't getting there spiritually, and I was frustrated wondering why. It's, it's because God's grace that was available to me, I just, I just stepped back from it. I did what we've warned about. Remember, don't let anyone miss out on grace. Our verse that we've been talking about, just as a reminder, because we're going we're gonna to see this in just a moment, um, 2 Corinthians 9.8 is the verse that kind of has framed what we understand about a basic definition of grace. Uh, and God is able to make all grace abound, that's exceed expectations to you, so that having all sufficiency, everything you need and all things, that's, that's what grace is. It's everything we need for every situation. Um, you may abound in every good work, and you can exceed expectations in everything that comes out in life. So here's, let's go back to verse um, 16 in 2 Corinthians 4, and let's make sure that this is, this is tracking, because it seems like, if, if I'm correct, it seems like up to this point, Paul steps forward and says, hey, listen, we've got a ministry in our life, and, and, and it's going to be a season in life. It's going, to be a, it's going to be a series of events. Some of them are going to be mountaintop, and some of them are going to be really things that, that tempt us to struggle, but we don't give up. And he, he gave this great framework of what does it mean to not give up in a functional way. And out of that, this key, this, this gift that he gives us is that, that it's Jesus in us. It's the value of his work in our lives, and that's grace, and that grace is working to help me focus more on Jesus and less on myself. And, and, and let's see if the rest of this agrees with it. Verse 16, therefore we do not, what does it say? Help me. Therefore, we do not give up. We're right back to where it seems like we started. This is affirming everything that we've just gone through. Therefore, we do not give up, even though, this is great here, Paul, again, is not denying real events of life. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. That's grace. That's grace. That means when, when, when tough and difficult things, hurtful things, um, life-ending things are happening to me and around me, what Jesus is doing inside of me is actually bringing newness out when, when destruction is going on around me. That's not what I deserve. I mean, it just the, the, the chaos of life should say, no, man, you should just have to deal with things. But, but what Jesus does is undeserved favor. It says, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely in comparable eternal weight of glory in other words um our, our what happens is so insignificant in comparison right we've, we've used this in comparison not the individual weight but the comparative weight this is so great compared to this um he uses the word light in other words it's it's not able to move the scale back it, it can't move the scale back that's beyond my expectations. So that we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That, that's sufficiency. That, that, that's where it says, okay, it's not just the mindset of what the value is, but Paul says, okay, now on a regular basis, I, I've, Jesus has given me the ability to go, listen, um, I, I can see the events unfolding in front of me. Yes, that's seen, but, but what bigger is going on? What is the spiritual battle that's really happening here over my family and over my kids and my relationships? What, what's really happening? What is eternity in the measure of this financial struggle that I'm in the middle of? What, what, what is the purpose of this, this person that seems so frustrated, so frustrating to me, but they're really just hurting inside? Like, what, what, is, what is the work that Jesus can do in their life that is above what I'm having to deal with? And he says, listen, I, I'm able so often to just focus on the unseen, because that value is eternal. And in and, and so, many, so many ways, th this is really what it means to be saved. 
So what do we do with this passage of verses? What, what do we do when we see, okay, Lord, there is, there is something that you can do here that I can't do. What, what does this do? First, I think what it does is it, it, it awakes our minds to the possibilities of what could be. Because for each of us, we have to decide, are, am, I, am I in the category of giving up or am I in the category of, of keeping going? Am I in the category of defining what does it mean to keep going? Because for, for, for some people in this room, you, you're, you're on the tipping point and you're trying to decide between one thing or the other. And some of that is, am, am I going to really be committed to a faith community, a church body, or am I going to just kind of, kind of be casual or transactional and, and really just ultimately phase out and step out as I have before? Am I going to go into counseling right now um, over the needs and the issues in my marriage, or am I going to continue just to push back and ignore and hope it just gets better on its own? Am I going to really devote time and, and, and have to admit some failures of mine to my kids and really parent and make disciples, or am I just going to let just the entertainment be and just kind of let them go and, and, just, and just kind of drown myself in numbness because of what I'm so frustrated over during the day? Am I going to seek the help? Am I going to seek the advice and the godly counsel that, that, that my soul really needs? Or am I just going to really um, choose to embrace the friends of mine that want to say, hey, you can do this. You've got this. This is going to be great. It's going to be okay. Like it's just who's around me more comforting than the Jesus that I struggle with because I don't know that sometimes I can feel him or see him the way I think other people do. First of all, it's going to take something that falls into the category of sacrifice. But let's be careful how we, just, how we define sacrifice, okay? I want to read a couple verses to you. Um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not sure if I include this on, on the notes or not. Um, in, in Matthew chapter 13, um, Jesus describes just being in the kingdom of heaven, just being in relationship with him this way. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, okay? So, so first of all, it, 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 is, it is the treasure. That's Jesus buried in a field that a man found and reburied, then in his joy he goes and sells everything he has, buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. All right, now it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not the, the, the treasure itself, it's the merchant. Um, like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. All right, what, is there sacrifice in those two examples? Does sacrifice exist in those two examples? Yes or no? Just give me something. I would say yes, because you, the, the, the two people here, right, the one that, the one that found the, the treasure in the field and the merchant that was in search for pearls, they couldn't just acquire them immediately, right? What did they have to do, go do? They had to go sell some things that they owned to get enough resources to then buy that thing they found. So there was, by definition, sacrifice. Do you think they minded it? Do you think they minded it? No. How, I mean, they went and sold everything. I mean, imagine, what would you have to come up upon in life to make it joyful and easy to go out right now, stick a for sale sign in your yard, slap a for sale sign on your car, bring all your clothes out and just lay them out on tables and go, just, just whoever wants them, like just what, what will you give me for them? Just to amass an amount of money. Most of us in our minds, we jump to what? Oh, that would have to be a tragic event. We jump to tragedy for some reason when we think of sacrifice like that. But that's not how the kingdom of heaven is defined. It's, it's because of joy. Because of what the value really is. And see, to, to go through a process of really golden repair in our life, we, if we look at the weight of this, it's going to be tough. Because the, the hurt from a relationship, when you stare at face to face, will want to convince you, just don't talk to anybody about it. The, the, the hurt that makes you want to just find numbness will say, just, it is what it is. But really believing in the grace of God that this can't tip that scale, then says, okay, I, I believe so much in the grace of Jesus that, that, that I, I have to take action. I've got to do my part too. And that's what that's talking about. Grace and gratitude don't see um, Jesus and what he can do as, as, as interacting with it as a sacrifice couple quick verses uh philippians 4 13 written by paul i'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me paul um, gave advice to timothy a young preacher a young leader in ministry he's told him this you therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in christ jesus if these truths live in my mind as truth for others but not myself then i'll never show and live in gratitude because i'm not experiencing grace 
1 Corinthians 15, 10 says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Paul said it's by grace that he is what he is. When we talked about this stuff, yeah, I mean, saving grace, it's by grace. It's not our works that we're saved. It's by the grace of Jesus, the free grace that came with a cost. It came with a price. It's, that's how I am who I am. This verse isn't, I am who I am. It's, it's I, hey, I am who I am. Like, it, the, being a child of God is because of Jesus. And it's, but then Paul says, but listen, I didn't work to become a child of God, but because I'm a child of God, oh, you better know that I've worked. Because it's the grace of God that's in me. He couldn't help but do the work, not of ministry, but do the work of grace, which says, Jesus, what are you doing inside of me? What do I need to hear and listen to? What do I need to believe about who I am in you? And and who is it that this story could bless and affect as I look around me? There's two final things that I just want to suggest to you this morning. And and really, it's, it's, it's really just one of two one or two basic ideas. Either one, begin the work, or if you've begun the work, continue the work. And by that I mean this. Some of those things that I listed that, that, that are the tipping point of, do I give up or do I, do I not give up? If, if you've given up, if you've stepped away, if, if, if you've waved the white flag in some area of your life, just the awareness of God's grace that's offered to you, of what he can do in you and then through you, the, the golden kind of repair, that's his invitation just to begin, to do something, to take that step, to, to ask for help, to, to contact someone, contact multiple people, because that first person may, may, have, been, um, may have been victimized by busyness, and Satan wants to convince you that, that, see, you shouldn't have done that. Contact multiple people. If it's God's truth, it, it will be true. If, if you've already begun and it's been tough and maybe you're thinking, is this really worth it? Let the golden repair continue. I, I'm, I, I'm not going to disagree with Paul. If marriage is hard at this moment, this morning, because of events from recent weeks and months, praying one time this morning does not guarantee that all that magically is going to go away. Golden repair. I, you know what? As, as I took those broken pieces, I, I tried to do this quick. I didn't have a lot of time when I did this. And it's not as clean as what a real artist would have done. But ultimately, I found out something. I couldn't speed up the process but so much. It had to dry. It, it took time. But you know what the great thing is? And I know you, you can't necessarily see this table right now. There's not even a water circle on that table. Because this golden repair that God wants to do in your life is not just about saying, hey, put your brokenness on display. He wants you to understand this morning that you can fully be restored to your intended purpose. Your life can hold water. It can hold it. It can can exist without leaks. It can. It can because that's the kind of work that he does. Would you mind bowing your heads for just a moment? Man, as we've been in this series, I, I really, my prayer has been that God just speaks every time we come in here and, and, and grace speaks on its own. And, and it, yes, it is very, it's very important for me to mention right now that, that if you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you're not sure where you stand with Jesus, I want you to know that you don't even have to leave this building this morning before you, you know that your relationship with Jesus exists and it has begun. The grace of Jesus says that he, he died in the place of us for our sin. You say, well, why, why would I have to die? I'm, I'm, I've, I've lived a good life. I help people. I love people. I care about people. Um, it, it's, it's any sin, any sin that exists is too much sin for a perfect and holy God. But in his great love for you and his great love for me, through, through saving grace, he came himself to this world. To pay that penalty. He couldn't. If, if, he, if he went back on the penalty. He couldn't be God. He both held the standard. And met it himself. So that you could know him. 
and we want to give you that opportunity today. If you, if you come here today knowing that you, you believe in Jesus, you're ready to confess him as Lord and pray to him for salvation, you can even do that where you sit, but we want to celebrate, we want to begin that walk with you. But if you're sitting here today and, you, and, you, and you're teetering, and you're like, you know what, I'm not walking forward, I'm not doing anything because I don't want anybody to realize what's happening inside of me. Hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you what to do. But I do want to say, if, if, if you're teetering, and it's give up or, or it's keep going, and, and there's things maybe you and I have both pushed back on, some accountability, some, um, some secret private things, really living for me instead of for Jesus. There, there's some things that we're aware of right now probably that say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going in the direction I should. Maybe marriage is, is tough right now. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's family. Whatever it is. It will tempt you with a lot of force to know that that pop and that break is coming. So why don't we really turn our lives over to let Jesus do that golden repair that he can do. Not just, not just to kind of get us by, but to give us a purpose that's fully restored. That's beautiful because of the work that he's done. It, it, it doesn't deny our value. Our, our value in that is, is still what it is. We, we can't continue to fight to elevate ourselves so high that we're the most important thing. We have to let that be Jesus. But I just want you to know that golden repair is, is for you. It'll be a process, but it's for you. You're, you're not too far gone. You can take one deep breath right now, and that is your assurance that Jesus is speaking to you. After I pray this time, if you want to come up and pray after while this last song is going on, you're welcome to do that. We'll be here waiting on you. If there's anything you'd like to talk about after the service, we'd love to have that conversation. God, thank you so much for your grace. Lord, it is greater than even thankfulness. It, it magnifies gratitude, and it allows our focus to be on you, Jesus, instead of on ourselves and on the problems of our lives. That's what grace does with thankfulness. It turns it into gratitude, and it it, it just revolutionizes and changes our entire focus and where that's set on. So Lord, help us to hear that this morning and embrace that truth and, and, and claim it for ourselves and, and allow, Lord, you to do this, this, the golden repair that needs to be done in our lives, not just for a better experience and a better season next year in 2022, but, God, for, for truly restoration to happen. Lord, so that, so that the value of you, Jesus, can be seen in our life. And, and Lord, ultimately, our, our purpose is restored. We're repaired in you and not fixed by ourselves. Lord, speak to us in these moments. God, I, there's conversations, Lord, you need to have with hearts in this room, with my heart, that just needs, just, just needs stillness and even quietness in our minds. So even as, as music and as song is going on around us, Lord, I pray that just we experience, God, your faithfulness of you speaking. And Lord, that we will be found faithful in our listening and our response. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet?